I'm Shar Hugh, I'm CEO of the Helper Bees, and we are really lucky today to have Brett Weiland with us. He is VP of Long-Term Care Insurance Strategy uh, at Prudential. Uh, we're here in the Helper Bees uh, home office in Austin, Texas, so if you hear any noise, we've got Helper Bees hard at work in the background. Um, but we're here uh, recording an episode of Voices of Long-Term Care Insurance, uh, where we get to talk to some of those who have uh, changed the industry for a positive and are changing it for the future and just to hear their stories about how do they enter the industry and where do they think it's heading uh, which is why I'm particularly excited to be here with Rhett. Um, I've gotten to know Rhett over the last few years and have just been very impressed with his uh, understanding of the industry and really how that informs where we're heading in the future. So Rhett, very thankful for you to be here in Austin with us. Uh, thank you Char, it's great to be here. Yeah. So first easy question is how did you get your start in long-term care insurance? It's a weird industry, uh, some might say, but uh, would love to hear your origin story. It definitely is an, it's an eclectic industry, eclectic, for sure. Eclectic, that's better, um, yeah. So my start in long-term care came when I took the position as the head of claims uh, for a third-party administrator. At the time, it was Capgemini, who was in the long-term care space, and they hired me to manage prudential insurance companies, long-term care claims block uh, as the head of the operation for claims management. And then from there, well, I just ended up staying. And, yeah. and uh, um, all, all good. It's been a, a pretty great journey so far, but not that long. I think I started in 2016 oh, wow. in long-term care. Before that, significant insurance experience uh, on the disability side, so short-term, long-term disability. Also in claims and in claims management as well which I think disability is a really good learning ground for long-term care. Um, not as complex, but definitely uh, a lot of similarities between the two products. That's interesting. I actually didn't know you came from disability. Is it, how has that informed any of your future strategy? Because disability has recoverability models, I'm not an expert, but I've heard some of the similarities. Have you seen, have you taken any of your learnings from disability into some of the strategy and innovation? That's a great question. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in, in a number of different areas, if you think about it, disability, um, well, for one, it can be a heavily litigated um, insurance product, and especially the individual disability side. And so some of the protocols and tenets and fundamental claim management practices that are core to disability, um, we reinforce those on the long-term care side when I was in claims on the claim management track. Secondly, disability has had a long-standing trend of um, being able to identify recoveries in disability. There are um, official disability guidelines. The ODG is, a, is, a, is kind of the playbook for disability recovery. Presley Reed also pioneered disability recovery. And I think what you'll see now is a lot of the, a lot of the work that happened in the disability side for predicting recovery models is starting to migrate over into the long-term care space. I mean, spearheaded by you guys. I well, yeah, spearheaded by Prudential for sure. Yeah. But we're not alone in that regard. There are a lot of other companies also who have had maybe some form of that recovery model in play, I think, for a while. Now. Yeah, definitely. So you started in 2016 in long-term care insurance. Since then, have you? is there any milestone, a development, either within you know, your TPA world or at the carrier space, that's where it stands out to you that has, um, I guess, formed your opinion of long-term care or it just stands out in general as a, a pivotal moment 
uh, within the industry broadly or within you just in your career? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The answer is definitely yes. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't the kind of the pivotal moment you would think. It was uh, John Sieb, who is, uh, I report to John at Prudential, was asked to present at a Society of Actuaries conference um, in Nashville on long-term care. And this would have been in 2019, I believe. And he asked me, hey, because I was new to Prudential at the time, help me put together a deck for what you think claim management practices mean to the, to the uh, long-term care industry. And in doing my research for that, I think I, you talk about that moment, that epiphany, it came to me in that I was reading a lot of articles about property and casualty insurance and how PNC insurance was actually changing the paradigm from file a claim and pay a benefit to prevent a claim and save the benefit payment, and both parties win. No one really wants to file a claim. Yeah. Um, and on, no one wants to get in a car accident or have their home damaged in a storm. Very same with long-term care. No one really wants to go on long-term care. And that kind of epiphany moment was, we need to migrate our claim management practices upstream and start being more preventative in our approach to long-term care claims than just file a benefit and pay a benefit. Yeah. How important has that strategy been to Prudential, where this is a, a very interesting way to think of it. I, I've not actually heard that. I understand that the general concept has been talked about, but really equating it to another product like that. How are you, as head of strategy, how have you seen sort of that uptake of that ideal and, and putting it into practice? I know you guys do a lot of innovation and a lot of initiatives, but is that your guiding principle, or do you abide by others? Well, it's, it's one of our guiding principles, which is to try and, I think, where possible, if you can delay or prevent an event from occurring and it's cost effective to do so and it's beneficial to your policyholder, then you should attempt that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Um, in that very Society of Actuaries conference that we held, I remember we asked the room, what does claim management mean to you? And this is a room full of seasoned claim professionals in long-term care. And, there, and the answers were kind of what you might expect. It was pay the right claim at the right time, um, manage fraud, waste and abuse, very important you know, all, also as well. But no one at that point in time was saying, why not try to keep people healthier longer? Mm -hmm. Why don't we try and do that as a claim management practice? And so the second half of our presentation was, well, that's where we went, right down that road. And you could see the light bulbs going off in the room. Yeah. And, and prior to that time, wellness trends in long-term care, the aging in place kind of notion of that, and providing services and solutions to help people stay in their home for those already, if not on claim, soon to be on claim. Those kind of fundamental tenets as part of our guiding philosophy didn't really exist at that time in 2019 in the industry. Yeah. But man, looking at it in, in the rearview mirror in 2022, they all exist now. And I, I like to think John and I in some way maybe started that wheel rolling yeah. back then. I and mean, we've seen it. I mean, that was, we've been, I think our first contract in long-term care insurance has been about six years. So that sort of aligns a little bit with early on digitization being really important. Still is, of course, but now you're starting to see this wellness and aging in place taking root. Where, what do you think about this acceleration? It sounds like from 2019, this was something that you guys had on your roadmap just to change the thought process within Prudential. 
what do you think was that tipping point within the industry to start thinking about? It's not just claims management. It's not just claims administration. It goes beyond that. It goes into your wellness and your aging in place program. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know from an industry perspective what caused the other companies to start to think about, hey, this is a great idea. We should be investigating this. Yeah. What I will say is we started presenting every year on the notion of building an aging in place um, capability. And with the, with the idea being, we want, to people, we want to help people avoid a claim if we can. If we can't help them avoid a claim, a long-term care claim, we'd like to help them delay that claim. And if we can't do either, then we'd like to keep them in, in the home yeah. for them, right? And then wrap services and solutions around them to keep them comfortable. And we were not the first carrier to do that. There were other carriers that actually launched, um, and I think you probably know who they are, yeah. um, launched programs on a test and learn on a pilot basis. And we leveraged some of the other companies' work to convince internally at Prudential, to convince Prudential leadership that we thought this was a good idea. Uh, a couple of things to think about for Pru. Um, our book of business is going to pay an inordinate amount of claims in about five to ten years. So we have some runway yeah. to put programs in place to help improve long-term health and wellness outcomes. Other carriers are already there. They're already paying the peak of their claim payments, and they're not going to be able to realize the same kind of value that yeah. we'll be able to. And so there is a financial incentive for us. We also like the, the, the ability to help our policyholders help themselves yeah. um, and stay healthy. And we think it's good for our brand, and we think it's actually just good in general, for the entire U.S., yeah. maybe even the world. No, I agree. Um, that's actually the, the impetus for this podcast, which is I think what we do within the insurance industry is going to change how Americans think about aging. I think we've got that opportunity, and I think it's unique among an insurance product to really change a massive uh, demographic shift that's happening. I want to build off that last response you gave. Given your job, your day job really to think about strategy how can you help our listeners which are typically claims professionals or long-term care insurance professionals quite a few who work at carriers how have you thought about taking a great idea that is of strategic value getting it implemented and then keeping with it because like you had mentioned a lot of these things take years it takes years and years yeah. to see so persistence is really important how have you been able to rationalize that or, or gain significant, the traction that you guys have gained at Prudential? Well, I wish there was um, one easy answer to that question. It's, there are, it is not an yeah. easy one, uh, one answer solution. I think I'd start, so for anyone who's thinking about how do we sell the potential for an aging in place program, right? The, the notion of helping people age healthily um, and happily independently longer. Um, First, you need a champion at the enterprise level. You need someone who really believes in it. Fortunately, we have that before, like in, with John Seed. He's a big believer in it, and he's been able to convince senior leadership to invest some dollars yeah. in programs uh, for testing and learning. Uh, I think, secondly, you need, you need to have the kind of the goodwill of your legal and privacy and compliance team um, these are all filed insurance contracts, and I'm assuming we're talking about insurance carriers. Yeah, here. that's okay. right. Yeah. These are all filed insurance contracts, and 
different states approach um, these kind of wellness um, health plans differently. Some states are very favorable, very favorably disposed to implementing them. Some states are not. And so I, being able to work internally with your legal and compliance um, control partner teams to convince them of the, the message and the, and the method that you want to deploy um, is important. So a lot of that's basically relationship management. And then I think the third piece of that tripod is your actuarial team because you will need to be able to have someone help you develop your assumptions for ROI. Even if ROI, even if it's not positive, even if it's break even or negative, at least you need to know when you go and ask for funding to do some of these initiatives. You need to be able to let them, you know, be able to tell the story of we think it's probably break even or it could be a loss in year one and these are the assumptions and we develop them with the actuarial team. Once you do all of that and you, let's just say you manage to garner some level of financial support, then I think it becomes now that's just that's just benchmarking yeah. what you need to do. Now you actually need to go out and do it. Execute. And yeah. execute. And then you there I would say we're an outsource model. We don't currently sell any more of our business. So we need strong strategic partners who have, I would say, who share a similar vision yeah. as you do, but also have the clinical expertise. So you asked earlier about what's, what's your guiding principle. Yeah. One of our fundamental guiding principles is everything we do has to be clinically based. So if we offer a solution, we offer a capability, or we offer a program to one of our policyholders in long-term care, that the efficacy of that program is solidly based in, in a clinical solution that has been researched or has been written about or maybe has participated in some trials somewhere. Um, so that's, a, that's a, a key part of launching or implementing a program yeah. for our policyholders. And the way I think we look at it is you can build the best program, you can offer the best solutions, and you can comply with all the regulations, you can even get states to approve it. But if you can't get your policyholder to actually engage in that program, then you're not going to get any value back for that. And I think early on, John and I, as we mapped out our, our strategic vision, we realized that a fundamental component for all of this is behavior change. Yeah. Um, and so we started by, by using experience models in the employer space standard experience models, the RAND study is like a really yeah. seminal piece of research about employer groups and wellness. And then using that as the basis for some of our uh, projections for engagement and adoption, we migrated those assumptions over into LTC. Yeah, I can see a bunch of vendors like me probably listening to this and jotting down a tremendous amount of notes. Um, so let's stay with that thread then. You and John talk about vendors like us and others in the industry who are innovating as strategic partners. That is unique within the industry. Um, it implies so much with that term. How would you talk to those? Now, we probably have half our listeners are probably claims professionals or long-term care insurance professionals and half are, are other innovators. How would you talk to the innovators to, to go to a big brand like Prudential but who has a, a life-changing product? How do you work with them, and, and or do you have any words of wisdom? As, as head of strategy, you're probably talking to people like me all the time. Um, yeah, I would like to say I talk to people <laughs> like you all the time. You're maybe a bit of an outlier. The, what we like 
what we respect are the people that know what they want to accomplish and have the capability to do it, um, even though they might not have the size yet for us to maybe fully embrace their solution. Uh, when we meet with startup companies and others, it's like, you know, if you're honest and transparent and you come to the table and say, you know, we've got a great capability and a great solution, we play in five states right now, um, we would probably say, tell us more. And we would say five states probably isn't enough for us, but what's your strategic roadmap to maybe get to 10 states? Can, is that something that's within the sphere of your capability to do? And we're always willing to work with you. Um, we do a lot of our work is with startups, and I think that's because startups really are embracing, they're right on the front line. Yeah. They're seeing the opportunity. Yeah. They're building the technology and the capability. And we like what they have. They just don't have the scale yet. Yeah, that's right. And so I would say, look, don't be afraid to reach out. Now, this is Prue. I think we're a little bit of a different um, world. I think much more approachable mm -hmm. um, maybe than some other carrier companies. But my, my perception after talking with all the other industry leaders in long-term care is everybody is looking to try and find partners who can help them yep. deliver this kind of long-term care aging in place cap capability. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take my host hat off and, and put my, my strategic partner hat on. I think everything you said, we felt firsthand. I think you will hear, and I'm talking now to other providers out there, uh, customers say, you know, we want to know your roadmap. We want to be good partners. And our tendency as a small company might be to gloss over some of our weaknesses. I would say absolutely what Red said is, is real. We, we felt it directly being able to be pretty op open with where are we today, but where do we want to go? And, and not be shy about those two might be really different. Like the time scales might be a little bit different there because a Prudential and a Rhett in particular and John understand that they play a huge role in getting us there. Like we might have a great idea, but we need the scale to implement. And so I would say anybody emailing Rhett to, to be pretty honest with, with where you're at. Yeah, we, I think we'll ask some hard questions, but that doesn't mean that we're hard to, to work with. Yeah. We just really want to understand what we're getting into. So if we're going to take our investment dollars and put them in your company to help us develop a capability, just be transparent with us around really where, what you really have and what is aspirational for you. Yeah. And if it, and that's fine to have some aspirational, um, in fact, you should have aspirational cap capabilities that are on your roadmap for the future. Let's talk about that. And maybe we can help you get there more quickly by investing in you. Um, we, f we like that honesty and frankness when we deal with partners and versus say someone like you had said, and I think that's exactly right, kind of glosses that over or does a sales pitch to try and hide maybe some of the deficiencies. It's your startup. Yeah. You've only been in business for a while. We would expect that you have some limitations. Talk to us about them and let's talk about how we can help you there. Yeah. So, I'll ask this question actually for both sides of the audience now. That's great, don't gloss over it, but oftentimes, especially in the wellness space, and you've alluded to this, we get asked as, as a provider, as a vendor, an innovator, well, what's your ROI? How much are you going to save me? I mean, I get this with current and prospective customers all the time, but we're really in the early stages of, of this massive problem that's gonna take decades, presumably, to solve. How do you, what, what would you say to carriers who are asking vendors, like, tell me your hard and fast etched in stone ROI? 
And then on the provider side, our idea is maybe to gloss over because we, we have early data, but not you know decades of, of confirmatory evidence. So any words of wisdom there for both sides? I, <clears throat> I don't know. I think maybe, maybe not yeah. here. And, and I think the answer is insurance carriers are notoriously conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a financial institution, and being able to derive some measure of ROI is important. I will say at the end of the day, it's not the sole measure of effectiveness um, for a program. Brand recognition, uh, net promoter score is also very good. Um, Ability to access customers or be able to convince them that your brand is strong enough. This is the brand piece. That maybe they want to purchase other services from Prudential. We offer a lot of other products uh, and services. So it doesn't have to be long-term care. Besides, we don't sell long-term care anymore. We've exited the business. Um, The tough part there is are the long-term care organizations that have closed books. I mean, the historical thinking there is just try to run the block out and kind of put it in a back corner room somewhere and just write this. Hope it goes away. Hope it goes away away eventually. And we've taken a different approach, which is we really move it front and center to try and help manage some of that long-term health and make it more positive. That requires financial spend, and financial spend requires some sort of, I mentioned earlier, working with actuary, requires some sort of projection for a return. It doesn't even have to be positive. Interesting. It doesn't have to be positive. John and I will both say, um, if it's break-even, but we get huge customer value for it, huge brand recognition, and we can help bend, we can help lead the industry, then for us, we're willing to do that kind of investment. Yeah. The last question, given that, it's a perfect segue. Given how you guys are leading the industry, and, and now you sit on a number of not only panels, but organizations where you're leading, including ILTCI, where do you where are you most excited about when it comes to innovation that you're seeing? And it could be it could be culture change within other carriers, within the industry broadly. It could be some of the really cool things you guys are doing at Prudential. But what are you, you know, one, two, a dozen things that you're most excited about uh, for long-term care insurance industry? So it I would say it's it's probably long-term care and, and health. Yeah. Um, when I first started working at Prudential, the health component of long-term care, I wasn't thinking as much about that. But as I've matured, I think, in in the strategy, in my strategic thinking, and, and the team has helped put together a more of a strategic roadmap, we're really seeing the intersection now of uh, care management and health care and long-term care finally, finally, yeah. coming to fruition in ways that I think all of us will benefit. And when I think about what that means, like, well, what does that mean, right? That means the ability to build, to be able to be trusted by your policyholder in the way that policyholders trust their doctors and their health plan carrier. Policyholders don't trust typically long-term care insurance companies um, the way that they do in the same way, in the same vein they do with their, their health plan and their, and their attending physician, their primary health care provider. And I'm seeing that maybe starting to see that gap close by the services and the solutions that are being provided in conjunction yeah. with health plan. That's starting to kind of make a connection between those, those organizations that I think is strong. 
the emergence of data and science and technology is at a pace I've never seen in my life, probably you as well. Yes, sir. And all of the ability now to take device data and use it to help people identify risk factors and then work with them to control those risk factors, seems to me that that's a real collaborative play between healthcare and I, um, a long-term care. And I, at this point, I'd also add Medicare and Medicare Advantage. Yeah. Because those entities are the ones who are kind of the nexus points for driving some of that adoption and encouraging it. To me, that's huge. I think the landscape five years from now will look very different yeah. than it does today. Yeah, on that last point, I mean, Monica from your team, or Prudential's team more broadly, led a great ILTCI panel that talked about um, integrating across payer sources and how LTCI might, might be able to learn from it. You can just see that where that seed might have been planted. What I love about what Medicare Advantage is doing is Medicare Advantage wants to solve for this. They want you to utilize their plan. They're incented for you to utilize their plans to solve for some of these chronic conditions that can morph into and become long-term care disabling yeah. events. And so why not start to coordinate and integrate Absolutely. with them upstream? I go back, I feel like I'm back in Nashville. Upstream before the claim ever occurs. Yeah. And the, everyone benefits from that, not just the carrier. Well, I want to say thank you. I mean, I always or frequently learn something every time you and I chat and, and your thoughts around how care and claims management ought to work together. I think more ought to heat that, and, and, I, and they are more listening. So thanks for coming in Austin and chatting with me for a few minutes. Yeah, it's great to be here, Char. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks. Have a good day.